Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. The horn is going. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a simplistic play so far. Everything with an attitude. Got a balance. I don't give a shit who we're playing. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Hey guys, this is Dave riding solo, and uh, we're going to power through a breakdown of this game and and a couple other sort of top of mind uh, topics. Appreciate you, appreciate you all tuning in. Uh, this episode might be a little different uh, in terms of some of the content that uh, that I want to cover. And like I said, certainly certainly a solo show, uh, which itself is different. So before we get into you know Saban's sort of death march through the Mississippi schools, which which we we saw you know episode two on Saturday, I just want to give a super shout out to the the fans and listen I even hesitate to use the word fans but the listeners that are out there that support us you reach out to us uh, via Facebook uh, via iTunes via email um, it, multiple uh, platforms and uh, we've had just an honor of an opportunity to meet uh, some of you not a, not a whole big number but you know three four five uh, that we connect with very regularly. Uh, and I've had the opportunity to meet uh, some of those folks. And, you know, this past weekend was just such an example. We had a wonderful opportunity, uh, or I had a wonderful opportunity to meet up with um, one of our uh, listener campaign support uh, supporters uh, by the name of Bill. And he invited us over to his tailgate. And I tell you, this dude's a big deal. And so I was a little bit intimidated uh, going to his tailgate. But it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. One of the most gracious, friendly uh, individuals I've ever met. Uh, and, you know, he was genuinely interested in the, the podcast and wanting to know our backstory and wanting to know uh, about us. And it was just a, just a phenomenal experience. Um, and, uh, and so I just want to share that. We appreciate you all so much. I tell you what, I had such a good time and the hospitality was just off the charts. The introductions, the the people that that were there, and just the just the camaraderie, uh, and and was just phenomenal. I so wanted to go back after uh, after the game, but I didn't want to feel like I was wearing out my welcome, and and so I just want to give a just a mad shout out to uh, to Bill and his family and the hospitality that they showed. Uh, it was it was phenomenal. I had an opportunity for the first time to try a little Clyde Mays. And uh, I would highly recommend that. And I've, I've uh, actually went out to uh, uh, after the game, met up with some folks at Sessions Bar, and and uh, sampled a little more Clyde Mays. So uh, that was that was a, a phenomenal experience all around, and just personifies uh, the opportunity we have to meet you uh, fans and 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 you know via in person or email and and whatnot. And we so you know so greatly appreciate it. 
So why don't we flip gears and uh, jump into the game? That was such a just a really good experience, and I wanted to touch base on that. And so Saturday, Alabama, man, man, it was a scorcher. I, I, uh, there were a couple times during game during the game, I thought, man, I gotta, I gotta. I gotta like get in heat shape or something because this game was just was just brutal. Uh, but Alabama put it on Mississippi or Ole Miss, you know, certainly from an offensive perspective, fifty nine points. But the defense, eh, you know, thirty one points. I think Saban, like if I could paraphrase, you know, Saban, I think what he said in the post game post conference is really how you know I'd almost want to start the start the podcast is. You know, I guess it was a win, so I guess it was good. But there's a lot of things that, you know, a lot of things that we can work on, and and so certainly, <clears throat> certainly happy with the win. Certainly happy to be five and zero. Certainly happy with uh, the conference win, especially in the worst Western Division. But there's a lot of stuff to uh, to work on here. So why don't we talk about the good, and then we can, you know, which is primarily the offense, and then we can, you know, shift gears and talk about, uh, you know, the less good, which is the the defense. Um, look, Tua was off the charts. There's just no way to – there's no two ways to break that down. You know, he's 26 of 36 for 418, six touchdowns. Uh, again, off the charts. He's had uh, three games in a row where he, you know, five touchdowns, five touchdowns, and six touchdowns. That's got to be ser- some sort of record. Uh, certainly it is at Alabama. I've read a number of articles, and I can't quote all the numbers, but when you compare – you know, all this, you know, the touchdown leader, the yardage leaders that we've had at Alabama, McCarron holds a lot of those uh, records. Tua is claiming a lot of those records, and he's played approximately half the games that McCarron has. It is it is amazing. It is mind-boggling what we're seeing from Tua. And we should just enjoy the absolute hell out of it because, you know, this is going to be his last year, and there, there are people that – that openly discuss he may potentially be the best quarterback that's ever played college football. And so we can't get in the expectation that we're going to see someone like him again pretty soon because in our lifetimes, uh, we may not. Uh, Devonta Smith, Smitty, uh, he had he had a career day uh, at, 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 by halftime. Uh, he ended up with 11 catches for 274 yards and, and five touchdowns. Uh, I think I saw where his stats – in this game, and, and maybe his stats in, in the first half um, were better than his stats his entire freshman season. And of course, his freshman season, everyone remembers him for the touchdown against Georgia in the national title game. And of course, you remember that. But he also had another game winner uh, against Mississippi State late late in the game. And had he not caught that, and that's going to be the biggest catch of his career that, that people forget about. But had he not caught that pass, we may not have competed for the national title. And so Devonta uh, really came out, uh, really came out strong against Ole Miss. I'll tell you, and hindsight's twenty twenty, and, and and you can you know ignore this, but there were two points that that you know sort of leading up to the game. I wish I'd I wish I'd gotten on Facebook or I wish I'd I'd put out there. There were two ideas that I had before the game. One was that Talia would get a lot of game action. And that he would throw uh, at least a touchdown, and so that one didn't happen. Uh, but I'm putting it out there in 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 honesty and sharing that that's that one of the key thoughts that I had uh, prior to the game that we were going to see a lot of Talia. And subsequently, uh, I'll I'll share that I have thoughts for that, and I'm going to release that sort of in an insider uh, podcast or an insider uh, audible 
uh, Audible that's only that will only be available to our uh, listener supporters. So it's not too late to do that, and we'll have that out to the team. Sort of my a, a deeper explanation or exploration of of that. Uh, but the second point that I, that I thought is that you know what Devonta is going to have a big day. I think we are, as much as Saban says otherwise, I think that we may well intentionally go to Devonta against Ole Miss. And if you look at the stats last week against Southern Miss, Devonta had two catches, but they were manufactured catches. They were, you know, run behind the line of scrimmage and Tua sort of throws the ball up in the air. Uh, it's almost a handoff, but because the ball leaves, you know, it, it goes forward and it leaves to a hand, to his hand as opposed to just an outstretched, outstretched hand. Uh, it's considered a pass. And so the two Devonta catches last week were of that variety, very much forced plays. Uh, and so here, uh, to, to really look for him in, in big spots, for him to, to, for him to have 11 catches when you've got guys like Judy and Ruggs and Waddle uh, on the roster, I, I think there's a little intentionality uh, in going after uh, Devonta. And so 11 catches, 274, five touchdowns. It's just, it's just amazing. Uh, sitting in the, in the stands watching that game. Uh, at one point, I, you know, the gentleman sitting in front of me, I, I said, you know, I think that's his fourth. And he goes, oh, there's no way that's his fourth. That's just his third. And I said, that's fine. And so a few minutes later, uh, Devonta had his fifth. And a guy, you know, in front of him just sort of exasperatedly, you know, shouted out, you know, shouted out, that's his fifth touchdown. And the gentleman sort of turned back to me and said, yeah, I think that was four before. And that's that's five now. Just just an amazing. Uh, and then sort of one of the biggest trivia questions that that, uh, you know, the future may hold is, you know, on to a six touchdown day. Who did those passes go to? Uh, and, and so you think of the plethora of receivers, uh, you would list a lot of names before you got to Miller Forrestall. And so Devonta had five and Miller Forrestall, uh, had one. And so that's how, uh, that's how they tabulated the six. So you, there's, there's probably, uh, an opportunity to win j- drinks in the, in the future on that. And I'll say this about, you know, Jerry Judy had eight catches for 84 yards and damn, that just looks so pedestrian next to Devonta's, uh, you know, sort of billboard, uh, buster numbers. Uh, but Jerry Judy certainly had a good day. Uh, Henry Ruggs got a little dinged with um, – uh, looked like he had – he had, I think a hit pointer was the injury that they called for. Uh, he went into the tent. He was in the tent for a long time. He was on the ground for a long time, and so there were certainly calls for concern there. Uh, went into the tent, and, uh, and he came back out and was sort of behind the players for a little bit. And then when we did sort of the, one of those mass huddles on the sideline, he was running up and down the sideline. Looked like he was working on his acceleration, uh, you know, how comfortable or, or what was the level of discomfort there. He certainly was uh, well enough to come back into the game, and I think he, he played a little special teams uh, there as well. Uh, I, I'll call it a funny little obs- observation. Certainly not funny that Ruggs was down, uh, but while he was down uh, and where he was down – the uh, anytime there's a TV, and this is sort of an advent over the last you know three, four, five years. Uh, anytime there's a game on TV, especially one of the larger networks, they have uh, an official or a sideline uh, official that has this big sort of sign uh, or clock that uh, counts down the TV timeout. So everyone, you know, the the officials, the players. They know where they are relative to being in a, been in a commercial break. And certainly the fans can look at that too. And there's sort of a designated place on the sideline uh, where that individual stands. And he steps out, you know, five or six yards and then holds the sign and then sort of steps, steps back. Well, where 
rugs went down was right where that guy comes out with the sign. And he must have just been the biggest sort of meathead guy. He, he didn't sort of, hey, there's a player down on the ground, so let me move a little bit. And so he literally came out and sort of planted his 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 sign right there at Ruggs's foot. And the officials, or not the officials, but the medical staff that were sort of treating Ruggs were were encumbered by this individual. And so finally, I think he realized, oh, there's something going on, and he moved. But I thought that was the biggest sort of, you know, government job, uh, you know, equivalent. That was the biggest sort of, you know, bonehead uh, decision that that guy uh, could make. And there was a few of us in the stand that got a got a big laugh of that. I, I, I told someone, <clears throat> I said, well, that guy is where he's supposed to be. He was told to, to stand there and walk out five yards and stand there and don't do anything but that. And, you know, he thought he was on the right because Ruggs is not the one that was supposed to be there, although Ruggs was the the down player. So kind of got a kick out of that. But at any rate, Ruggs is back, and certainly with the bye week, he's going to be uh, back up to form, and we want to see him running those slants and scoring those long touchdowns. I want to talk about <clears throat> I want to talk about the running game, and um, I'm gonna I I tell you what, and I say this sort of half kidding, um, but I do more and more I do wonder did Najee hear the podcast a couple of weeks ago when when I had the you know the idea you know even when he had that big big game against South Carolina and sort of that highlight reel and now he's going to be you know immortalized immortalized in the Daniel Moore print for you know that hurdle. Uh, but that was off a pass. I made the comment in the in the podcast after that that he wasn't running the hole. He wasn't hitting the holes, and that that Brian Robinson, who was more aggressive in hitting the hole, following the line, following the blockers, that he was going to take over the starting job. And ever since that, ever since that, um, Najee has been a different running back. And you can go back and look at Southern Miss when he ran for 100 yards, uh, one of his uh, leading rushing days of his career. And then also look at this Ole Miss uh, tape. He ran hard. He ran in the hole and followed his blocks. And there wasn't a lot of sort of dancing and sort of bouncing it out. You know, I talk about him being sort of the sports car that wants to get to the open lane. And he'll bounce, 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 and then get tackled kind of at the line of scrimmage. And if he'll just follow the hole, and this is something Saban has said, if he'll just follow the hole and let sort of the, the defenders come to the blockers, then that'll make the line look better and his performance will look better too. And Najee, the last couple of weeks, I'm convinced, has been a better running back the last two weeks than he has probably in his career. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, and then I'll also say, you know, Brian Robinson has continued to do what he does, and he certainly had an outstanding uh, day himself. He is a hard physical runner. Uh, I don't think that, you know, athletically he's as talented as Najee and in space he may not be as talented as Najee, but in terms of lining up and hitting the hole and moving the chains, Brian Robinson is about as, as good as, as you're going to see. And, and again, we've done this before, but what's interesting when you look at Najee and his nine carries and Brian Robinson is 10, that's 19, you know, Najee 71 yards, uh, B-Rob 60. So that's 131. And then uh, together they averaged uh, 6.9 carries. And so 19 carries, 131 yards, uh, 6.9 yards per carry. That's an impressive performance by those two, you know, combined uh, by those two running backs, throw in three catches for nine yards. And that's a good day from, you know, call it a feature back. And we just have two guys sort of splitting that role. But I think uh, I think we're seeing a progression of the running game. 
These guys looked very good with their opportunities, and I'll say limited, you know, 19 carries between the two, uh, limited opportunities, but they both, uh, I think, looked, you know, very, very good. And I thought the offensive line is continuing to progress and continuing to progress Uh, at risk of sort of patting ourselves on the back too much. Uh, I thought uh, Deontay, uh, Deontay Brown did exactly what we expected Deontay Brown to do. Uh, we talked about this last week. He came in, uh, it, I, I want to say it was late second. Uh, it may have been sort of early third, but it was right when we talked about. It was before the starters were going to come out, but a, but a series or two. And I think it was two, maybe three series before the starters uh, were going to come out. So maybe it was third quarter. Uh, Deontay came out and he started at left tackle. Or I'm sorry, left guard, and so which is where he played last year, and so he came in for Evan, and then he moved to right tackle and or right guard, and so he played both guard positions. And at that point, he uh, was in for Landon uh, Dickerson, and then he continued to play on the line with the second team, which is right about what we predicted uh, last week. I noted a couple times when when he was in the game, uh, you know, especially I think at the at the right guard position. We, we ran two or three times right right at him or right uh, behind him. And so I think we're definitely sort of uh, testing or measuring that a little bit. I think we're going to continue to see uh, Deontay Brown play. And if, if I were to guess, I would guess that he's going to take over for Evan Neal. And that's not a knock on Evan Neal at all. Uh, you know, when you think about Leatherwood, Neal, Chris Owens, Landon Dickerson, Jedrick Will, uh, Wills, there's not one of those guys that I'm mad at. There's not one of those guys that that I would I would say this this guy does not deserve to play. There's not a single one of those, and so that makes it hard to to say well, who's Deontay gonna gonna play for? Who's he gonna beat out? Um, it, it makes it hard because none of those none of those other guys have necessarily lost the position. I just think Deontay's better in the in the running game and that he's going to beat the guy out. And I think it's going to end up being Evan Neal, largely because he's a true freshman and we want to get the experience line on the field. And I think Deontay's going to do that. Will Deontay start against Texas A&M? I tell you, that's the million-dollar question. And if I had a few bucks to put down on it, I would bet that he probably does. Um, and if he doesn't, look for him to come in early and often. And it, and so one of two things is going to happen. He's going to come in, he's going to start for Evan Neal, and he's going to be the left guard moving forward. Or we're going to continue this weird sort of rotation where he, he plays a little bit of left, a little bit of right, and we have three guys playing the guard position. And that may work in a way that doesn't immediately hurt anybody's feelings, but that's the wrong thing we want to see. We want to see the five guys out there, the reason the running game not just because the running back's hitting the hole, but the line playing better. The reason the line is playing better is because it's been the same group since about the second game, uh, uh, since about, I guess, really about the third game of the season because there was injuries uh, with Chris Owens and he missed um, New Mexico State. But since game three, it's been consistently the same five guys uh, as the starters. And so if Deontay's going to come out, we really would prefer – we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't want someone to feel like they lost their job. But what we want is a consistent five. And I tell you what, I would rather Deontay stay. Listen, and this is strong, right? Because I've been so so pro Deontay. I would rather Deontay stay on the bench and keep the solid five out there rather than this sort of sort of jerk around with Deontay playing the the right guard and then playing a little bit of left guard and and three guys playing the guard positions. 
I would rather Deontay not play than us sort of jerk around with the interior linemen. And that's – I'm even a little bit surprised to hear me say that, but I feel very strongly about um, the, the, the strength of the line is the consistency uh, of the players and the f- familiarity they have uh, in playing with one another. I know I've said this on the podcast, and this is a little bit cheesy, but 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 it, but but it's true, and I agree with it. Mark Schleyworth, uh, you know, played. Uh, he won Super Bowls with the Broncos and um, and the Redskins, and he used to be on ESPN, and he used to say, "Hey, look, um, he was on the what is it, the Mike and Mike show back, you know, when that was a thing," and he used to say, "Look at you know across the offensive line, if all of the five, if all of the it's it's a it's a it's a it's a group position. It's it's five players playing as one. And he would say, look, it, if the five guys across the offensive line, if they all run the wrong play, but they all run the same wrong play, there's a there, there's still a significant opportunity of success because everyone is accounted for. Uh, and so even though they're running the wrong play, as long as they're all doing it, then you're going to you're going to you're going to seal the front. If you have one guy doing one thing and four guys doing something else, then you're going to have a big gap, you're going to have a big hole for the for the defense. And so what that speaks to is the five of the the value or significance of the five offensive linemen working as a cohesive unit and you can only work as a cohesive unit when you've had time working together. And so again, I'm underscoring sort of the same point, but I'd rather the same five be out there rather than us sort of you know, lollygag around with with rotating a bunch of guys uh, for the sake of someone's feelings. Let's get the best five out there, whatever it looks like, uh, and then keep them together so they can get better together because they're they're going to get better as a unit uh, as much as they're going to get better uh, as individuals. Uh, let's talk about uh, Slade Bolden a little bit. We've got the sort of the wear Slade uh, sort of feature. And there was a hey, when I think when he well I didn't track him through every single special teams unit. Uh, perhaps I need to I need to do that. And I know that he did play on special units, but I was especially looking for him on offense. And uh, I think in the second quarter he came onto the field and he came into the wildcat position. And Tua was lined up in the slot. And Tua went into motion. And uh, I thought this is going to be pretty interesting. What's going to happen here with Tua in motion? Uh, Slade at the uh, Slade Bolden at the at the quarterback position, and it turned out Alabama called the timeout. And so I don't know if we were just showing something, uh, or if there was a misalignment. Uh, but I think it speaks to there's something to Slade being at that position, and there there is the opportunity for us to see different different plays uh, or, or a different little package there. And the fact that we had Tua, um, you know, last time the last couple of times Slade's lined up in the wild card. Tua has lined up out wide, almost next to the sideline, as if to say clearly, I am not in this play. Uh, but here he lined up in the slot, which is much closer to the line of scrimmage, and he went in motion back behind the line of scrimmage. And so it just speaks to, hey, there's something there. There's something that uh, that that's going to happen. Uh, he's going to take the snap and pitch it to Tua, and Tua's going to throw it. There's going to be something. Uh, but I, I would say keep an eye on that. And so, you know, sort of the where Slade – uh, tracker. I think there's, I, it's a fun little thing, but I think there's value to it because we're going to see a, a sort of a unique sort of trick play uh, at, at some point. Uh, separate from that, Slade did have a carry for five yards, uh, and I think he picked up a, a first down on on another play. So that's something good to watch. Uh, you know, again, the Alabama offense is, 
you know, 418 yards passing, you know, six touchdowns. Uh, but what's interesting, we were only six of 12, or the Todd was only six of 12 on third downs. Um, and of course, 573 total yards uh, is is just amazing. So a lot to like on offense. Uh, in terms of mini game ball, I'm going to go uh, Kendall Rudolph. Uh, and this is this is the player that Tommy actually spoke to a week or so ago. He is the uh, I'm going to say former offensive lineman that has changed uh, jerseys. He's wearing number uh, 85 now and lining up at the tight end position. So when you see a just a big ass tight end number 85, where did this guy come from? He's you've not seen him sort of on the roster. And uh, and 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 the reality is you've kind of seen him, but kind of not. Because uh, there hasn't been an 85, but with uh, uh, but uh, Kendall Rudolph moving from offensive tackle, offensive lineman to the tight end position. I don't know if this is a permanent move. Probably not. Uh, but it's an opportunity to to put a big guy with beef on the field. Uh, I thought he laid some really good blocks, and uh, at least on one occasion, maybe a couple of a couple of occasions, he actually faked the block, sort of peeled off, uh, and ran a route. And so that's that's where I think that we may see something unique with with Kendall Rud- Rudolph. Uh, otherwise, we would just put put him out there, uh, you know, as a as a sixth lineman. We've done that with uh, Warmack, uh, and so you know it would be nothing to to see that. But to put him in a tight end number, um, I just think there's something to it. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see Rudolph catch a pass, especially in a short yard, short yards. Uh, situation at some point, but mini game ball uh, tip of the cap to uh, Kendall Rudolph there. So defense, let's flip the uh, field a little bit, and uh, sort of that that bad taste in your mouth is giving up 31 points to to Ole Miss. There's just sort of a yuck to that. Uh, not only 31 points, but 476 yards, and uh, um, and just amazingly, you know, 58 rush attempts by um, by Ole Miss, and. And there's two ways to, to look at this. We can we can certainly sort of overanalyze it, and we can look at God, 31 points, we must suck, and and 476 yards. We're just Alabama defense is just not who uh, who who it needs to be. It's not who it used to be. Um, you know, sort of what's going wrong. I uh, don't like Pete Golding. Yada yada yada. We can hear all of that, and and that's just crap. If you could like, is is you catch that coming out of your mouth, just wad it up and throw it away because that's that's just crap. If you go back to to nearly, I don't want to say ever because we've had some pretty dominant defenses under Saban. But if you go back, you know, to to nearly almost every season, there's always been some stinkers. There's always been some some games where you know, how do we give up that many points, or how did Alabama give up that many yards, you know, to a team? And was it Georgia State? Uh, was it a few years ago? It wasn't it Georgia State? Georgia Southern? Uh, you know, Saban is the you know the shit through a tin horn, uh, you know, game, if you will. And so we gave up almost 300 yards rushing, almost 300 yards rushing. That that's nuts. And that was a stout defense. And so you think, well, how does that how does that happen? And so sometimes it's you know sometimes it's horses for courses, um, and sometimes there are just other factors. And and so you know that's that's what I'm pinning this under. This is not something that I'm going to lose sleep over at all. Uh, for all the hysterics that people are going to have over this, I'm just going to kind of smile and and sort of walk the other direction. And here's here's how I package this up. Uh, and 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 it's sort of you know it's sort of three things. Um, look at the offense, not just the offense that Ole Miss runs this season, but look at the offense that they ran specifically on Saturday against Alabama, where they were taking, you know, 
they were pulling all stops, right? It was an all, you know, no holds bar, right? And so they were running a spread, uh, sort of a spread wing T offense. And I don't know, and I'm not going to call myself a, a big fan or, or follower of Ole Miss, and so I've certainly not looked at all of their games this year. However, I've seen enough of them to see where they have struggled moving the ball, and they have been more of a down-the-field passing team as, a, as opposed to uh, sort of a, a spread, you know, wing tee, if you will. And so when when you line up and with four or five wide receivers and then you run the quarterback quite a bit, you're really stressing the defense. And and I'm not going to, you know, sound like I'm some offensive, you know, coordinator or defensive coordinator uh, sort of breaking things down. But there's a reality, you know, four or five wides – Think about the spread horizontally, horizontally and vertically. Vertically, you you spread the defense. You you've literally spread them across the field, and then with a running quarterback, there's there's that's one more offensive player that the defense has to account for because normally you don't really account for the quarterback. They're going to pitch it. They're going to throw it. They're going to you know whatever hand it off but they're less of a threat to run. And so with Matt Carroll being out, their starting quarterback and John Plumley uh, lining up as, you know, true freshman, but, you know, still certainly an athletic cat. Uh, it, you know, Ole Miss had a couple of options there to spread out and confuse the Alabama defense. And, again, I think it was, it was a lot of stuff that the defense hadn't seen before. And so we're going to spread you deep and wide with four and five wide receivers, and then we're going to run the quarterback uh, when, when there's not a defender – uh, truly to account for him. And that's a good game plan. And it worked. And and certainly they led the the time of possession, not by much, but they did. Uh, you know, Plumlee was and but it worked and they scored 31 points, but there were still sort of flaws in that. I don't think that's something that they can carry through the rest of the season. You know, Plumlee was 10 of 28 passing, which that's not good numbers. Now he did have 25 carries for 109 yards and those are those are good numbers. And then you know Ole Miss in general you know, had 58 rushing attempts. And so I think there's also a factor that, you know, the Alabama defense was a little bit gassed and a little bit gashed. Um, you know, think about the young defensive front, and it's not excuse-making, it's just a little bit of reality. Uh, and it was just a damn hot day. And so I think all of that sort of factored in, and, and Ole Miss put it, put it together. Uh, they, had a, they had a pretty good plan. Uh, they had four receivers that with catches of over 28 yards. And so Plumlee was either running or he was throwing the ball down the field. And some of those catches were just amazing grabs by the wide receivers. Uh, there were a couple of them along the sideline that I thought the ball was out. There were a couple of them that that I did not think the receiver had a chance to catch the ball, and and, and they did. And so there were some big plays Alabama certainly has uh, some big plays in in the running game, but you can see it, you know, a mile away. The wide receiver is wide open. There's not a defender in place, and and the ball from Tua is just so delicately placed in the hands uh, of the wide receiver that you can see those big those big plays coming. But Ole Miss, their big plays in the passing game, you know, tight coverage along the sidelines, the ball sort of hanging up in the air, and the receiver just making, a, you know, an acrobatic sort of one-on-one uh, catch. Now, our DBs, the Alabama DBs, have to get a little bit better uh, in that regard. But, you know, you think about the way they sort of chucked the ball, ran, ran the ball. Uh, there was sort of a method to their madness, if you will, and it was just enough uh, to allow, you know, on on a sort of hot day in Tuscaloosa, 
with the young defense, uh, the Ole Miss Rebels, to, to rack up some yards uh, and certainly some points. And then the other factor that I would throw out there, not just the, the style of play, the fact that Alabama hasn't seen it before and sort of the young, tired defense. Uh, another factor that I would put, put into play is a little bit of just senioritis or a little bit of, you know, spring fever. Uh, Alabama has a bye uh, following the Ole Miss game, and uh, there were a handful of players that were injured that have been held out. Terrell Lewis didn't play a full game. B.J. Dale didn't play uh, a full game. Both of those guys coming off various injuries, and they were held back. You know, call that a, a factor. And, and I think the rest of the team that was healthy and ready to go, they knew they were about to have some time off. And that's that's sort of a big deal, too, because, you know, guess what? They're kind of human. They're kind of human as well. And so all of that sounds like excuse making. And that's fine if you want to treat it that way. Um, that's not my intent. I mean, Ole Miss did what they did and hats off to Ole Miss. I give them a lot of credit for their game plan. You know, Rich Ride uh, up in the up in the booth for Ole Miss. I think that's I think that was a coup for uh, them to be able to, to score him as their offensive coordinator. And, and, you know, let's not let's not think that he didn't have a little intentionality and in wanting to score some points and, and put some yards up against Alabama, uh, given the fact that, you know, he had an opportunity for the Alabama job uh, at one point. And, you know, he elected to go other otherwise. But don't 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 mistake that uh, he's not going to have sort of oil mustard in his tank uh, when it comes to his thoughts towards uh, Alabama. So I take nothing against uh, nothing away from Ole Miss. There's no sour grapes there. There's no nothing. I just think there's a little bit of explanation as to what happened. And there's a lot of reason not to get sort of angst riddled or, you know, wrapped around the axle um, on this game. I don't love it, but I'm going to move on uh, because I, I can rationalize it. I can understand it. And I don't think this is uh, the full testimony of what the Alabama defense is going to be. It's going to continue continue to get better. So let me call out uh, a couple maybe specific items. Uh, some are good. Some are sort of pretend to, uh, you know, why why we sell the yards and points. Xavier McKinney continues to be a stalwart on the defense. The fact that he had 13 tackles um, is, you know, anytime, this, anytime your safety has a bunch of tackles, that's not good for your run. Uh, you know, for your your front eight. And so the fact that he did have the tackles is great. The fact that he needed to have the tackles uh, less great. But uh, but I continue to like uh, Xavier McKinney. Uh, he's an asset uh, asset in the secondary and, and certainly stepping into uh, a box safety type role. Uh, Anthony Jennings had nine tackles. I thought he played uh, very, very well. Um, I thought the run fits were off just across the board. And you could list a, a couple of a couple of players, a couple of names. Uh, I would say Shy Carter, and I hate to call him out because Shy, you know, you pay attention to this podcast the last couple of years. Shy Carter is one of my favorites. I uh, say uh, always a lot of nice things uh, about Shy Carter, and uh, I think sort of the other side of the coin uh, was against Ole Miss. He missed on some run fits, and I, I think that uh, I don't have, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to explain why, uh, but I think Shy probably didn't have his best game, you know, in, in the crimson and white. And I look certainly look forward to to him rebounding uh, from that. Uh, Shane Lee is becoming, you know, sort of a fan favorite, uh, the true freshman uh, playing in the middle. He is a, he is a fire plug. He is a um, just so solidly built. He, he truly, I think his nickname in, in, in high school was the Hulk. And he truly is sort of built that way. Thick thighs and a thick trunk. 
in a, in a big in a, in a big torso, and he is a devastating middle linebacker. He is a dump truck, if you will. He's so big and so stout and such a, a fire plug. And and if he gets a hold of you, you know you're going to the ground. And and if he hits you with the head of steam, you know you're certainly going to fill it. But if you get him in space and you get him leaning one way and you cut back the other, then you, you're going to, you know, a, a running back or a receiver or a tight end is going to have some success if they can get, you know, Shane Lee in space and sort of get him off balance. And there were more than more than one play where that happened and the receiver cut back and, and you know, uh, you know, again, commenting with the gentleman in front of me, I said, I said you know, that big old boy will move. He, he does not move that way. He's not going to redirect himself. And so he's going to get out there. But uh, if you cut back in on him, uh, you know, that's he, he's going to have a game there. And so that's something we need to be careful. And you could say, you know, Shane Lee needs to get better at that. And certainly certainly there's the opportunity to, to do that. But we also, I think, as, as sort of the tie defense, need to be careful about putting him in a position where he can get caught up in space. Uh, I think we're going to see, and I would say watch for this. Watch for other teams to try to exploit Shane Lee in space. And damn it, as soon as I say that, I'm not mad at the kid. I really, really like him. But watch him. Watch him play. He is a devastating tackler. He's an incredibly smart uh, player, but he's not as nimble. He's not water bug like some other players. And so certainly, certainly watch out for that. We have seen, pay attention to, to prior games, we've seen other teams try to exploit him in coverage. And, uh, and Shane Lee has acquitted himself well. However, you continue to t- you continue to exploit. You continue to understand where he may have a weakness and try to take advantage of that. And some teams are going to have success with that. Ankle Miss did on Saturday. Again, not a knock on Shane, but just something to watch out for. DJ Dell and Terrell Lewis. Again, we talked about those. They they uh, they played a little bit, uh, not necessarily the the full game. And so they're going to get back healthy coming off the bye. I think this sort of this next stretch uh, after the bye. Uh, you know, we're going to see those guys play uh, really, really well. There was a, a Ben Davis sighting. He played a little bit, in fact, had a pass uh, deflection. I was really looking forward to uh, talking about Ben. I was really looking forward to talking about Ben Davis with Tommy on the line uh, because Tommy uh, last year made the comment, uh, sort of the prediction that he thought uh, Ben Davis uh, was going to be a starter this year. And I thought that was uh, you know probably not going to happen. And I hate to sort of call that out when he's not on the line to, to, to defend his position, but I'm sure there's listeners out there that remember uh, uh, Tommy having said that. And um, uh, so definitely not in the starter position, but the fact that he's seeing the field, uh, Ben Davis is certainly, is certainly great to see. Uh, he's sort of a, a, you know, sort of a legacy and, and tied fan favorite, and we want him to have a great deal of success. And so the fact that he got in, uh, had a pass deflection, that was certainly fun. Uh, uh, Brian Young, or by, who's a Byron Young uh, across the defensive front. He played early, and uh, I was a little bit surprised that uh, Christian uh, Barmore didn't play more. Uh, we talked about him finishing the game uh, super strong last week, and I expected him to see uh, him compete more in the uh, in, in the rotation. Didn't quite see that, but there's still, uh, still opportunities for that. Uh, mini game ball on defense. I'm going to go Christian. Uh, Christian, there's a lot of Christians. I'm going to go Christian, which is good. Uh, I'm going to go Christian Allen. Uh, he is, you know, missed all of last season with a knee injury. Uh, he played. Uh, he played 
I want to say a lot. He, he played quite a number of snaps at number four defensive end as a true freshman. Last year when he was going to have an opportunity to sort of blossom, uh, he had a knee injury in camp. And so he is not only coming back, uh, you know, his youth and gaining experience, but certainly coming back from a knee injury uh, as well. And Saturday, uh, and he's had a couple of opportunities with Terrell Lewis being out. Uh, he's gotten uh, significant more reps. And so I like to see him sort of develop and evolve. And I think he has an opportunity to, to be a really good player. On Saturday, he racked up, uh, you know, four tackles, uh, a quarterback hurry, and uh, he had, you know, one and a half tackles for a loss. And so uh, he was very active. And I think we have an opportunity to see not, not necessarily a single sort of dynamic big play that we saw from him, but uh, the fact that he's coming back, he's getting a lot more reps with Terrell being injured. And the fact that he had a couple, uh, you know, stat sheet uh, stuffer, uh, you know, uh, stats there. I just want to give the tip of the cap to uh, Christian Allen, number four defensive end. He's a player that we're going to see more and uh, more of, not just this year, but certainly I would say the next two years as well. So let's switch gears to uh, special teams. Look, I think it was very obvious uh, that Will Reichert did not start. Um, if um, if you're not sort of tracking or if, if you were with uh, uh, fans or observers that don't really track the individual kickers uh, and you, you looked at this game and you said, you know, the Alabama kicking game is just off and I can't put my hand on it. It's uh, it's because, you know, relative to the, the other games this season, uh, Will Riker didn't play and he's a true true freshman from Bessemer and uh, was the number rated uh, number one rated kicker coming out of uh, high school. Um, you know, he handled the, the kickoffs. Uh, he's done punts and he's done uh, field goals. He's really been sort of a, a jack of all trades and uh, and we have missed him. And so I think we held him out. We speculated on this last week in the podcast. Uh, we held him out this week and I imagine he'll be ready to go uh, in two weeks for with uh, Texas A&M. Uh, meanwhile, Bellavis uh, hit um, all all was it eight, all, all eight of his uh, PATs, which was really good. And um, I don't know if, if Bolivis is, you know, if he has a grandparent or, or his father works at uh, ESPN, but this is the second, uh, second time in a row where ESPN has, uh, has recorded stats that Bolivis has gone, it was, you know, today it said one for one on his uh, field goals, uh, which just ignored the fact that he did, in fact, miss a, uh, miss a, a field goal. So he was actually one of two. That's the second time I've seen uh, ESPN stats. Uh, report that Saturday against Ole Miss, uh, he made a 36-yarder and missed a 28-yarder, and it was you know it was doink delicious. Uh, Skyler, uh, Skyler DeLong again. I continue to swear that's the best name for a punter, uh, but Skyler is is struggling. Uh, he he kicked two uh, Saturday against Ole Miss. They averaged 30 yards um, and a long of 37, and so you know. It doesn't take a math wizard to, to realize, you know, 37 is a small number, uh, should be 47. Uh, 57 would be a nice long, an average of, of above 40 is what we're looking for. Uh, but to hit two, average 30, a long of 37, that means there was a clunker in there. And uh, and so his other of his two um, was 37, That's or was 23 rather. So 37 and 23, that's the only way to get to 60. That's the only way to average 30 across two. Um, and so two bad ones, uh, one one especially bad. Um, you know, Coach always says, and, and I believe it, that he hits the ball well in practice. And so it's just a carryover. And so something's got to something's sort of break through 
and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully Banks, the special teams coach, can 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 assist with that. <clears throat> when we think about special teams, we've got to talk about. Uh, there's two additional plays we have to talk about. We have to talk about Waddle and uh, the sort of the bobble on the uh, the punt return. You got to look the ball in. Um, we said this on the podcast, and so I kind of grinned when I heard Saban say it. Uh, Saban, the most important thing uh, on on a punt return is to possess the ball. And and man, how how many years uh, over the podcast have we said that? Possess the ball. That's you know, let's do that first, and everything else is secondary. And I think Waddle was looking for a running lane. Uh, he did have some success returning the balls. No doubt that's stuff that they've seen on film, and so no doubt the first opportunity. He had he he wanted to cash in on all of the stuff they had seen on film. He wanted to cash in on that immediately, and so he had the ball. He had he had the lane. He took the eye. He took his eye off the ball, and then he bobbled it. And what is the most Auburn thing ever? The ball pops up, and the Ole Miss guy is right there. And fortunately, ran it back for a touchdown. But fortunately, because Alabama didn't possess the ball, uh, it was down at the point of recovery, uh, and could not be advanced. So that was certainly good. Of course, Ole Miss goes on to, to score uh, from there. And speaking of defense, this at the time it happened, I was hoping certainly we'd keep them out of the end zone. Uh, you know, even a field goal, you know, certainly would have been nice. But I was thinking, you know, damn it, if they're going to go ahead and score anyways, I really would rather them have advanced the punt because that snaps on the defense. And I know I'm sort of a weirdo about that kind of stuff, but uh, I think we had 88 snaps, 86, 88 snaps, whatever the number was, uh, defensive snaps uh, against Ole Miss. And a couple of weeks ago against South Carolina, you know, we were north of 80 snaps uh, on the defense, and we really need that number to be back uh, back in the 50s. And so that's, uh, you know, the defense collected another couple of snaps uh, there because we didn't possess the ball on punting. And so that's a big play. I don't want to um, underemphasize that. I want, there's there's significance to that. Uh, of course, Waddle, I think, re, uh, acquitted himself well the rest of the game with his uh, certainly uh, possessing, possessing the kicks. Uh, and he almost broke a couple of them. So it was good to see there was something there. Clearly there was something there. Uh, but again, you got to possess the ball. And then the other special team play, uh, that I would go for is the blocked punt, uh, Ali Cahoe or Cahoe. Uh, um, that was a phenomenal play. He, he made, uh, made the block. Looks like Terrell Shavers was going to recover it, but the ball sort of popped up and, uh, Ali was able to, to pick that up for the recovery in the end zone. And again, I'll, I'll sort of go weirdo on you, but there's a part of me that wished that they could have just blocked the ball and recovered it at the 10, uh, and then give the, defense an opportunity to sit out a couple of plays while the offense punched it in. Uh, but the fact that we recovered it in the end zone meant that we kicked off to them and the defense that had just gotten Ole Miss off the field had to go back on the field. And so um, I guess that was the, uh, that was the reward for having blocked a punt is putting the defense back on the field. Obviously the seven points is great. Uh, I'm not arguing against seven points. Uh, just, just sometimes there's weird little things like that that I look at and, Say, ah, I'd rather save some plays on the defense as rather than get some uh, some additional rest. But you know, what do you do? So next week, so let's hit up a couple uh, couple other little targets uh, 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 topics that, that I have lined up. So next week is a buy, and so we always talk about when the buy. Let's you know, 
let's not get somebody arrested. Let's not do anything stupid. Let's not get anyone injured in, in you know, uh, in practice. And so truly let's uh, Alabama win the bye so that uh, we come back for this next phase of the season. And I'll tell you what, this season really stacks up really uniquely. Um, and it's unique in that uh, Alabama has two buys this season. And I assume probably most teams do. And I think it has, you know, there's a rotation, uh, how many Saturdays exist sort of in the fall window. And uh, I don't know sort of calendar math, but uh, but I think every few years there's an extra Saturday uh, that sort of cycles through. And this happens to be one of those seasons. And so we've, play, we've played five games and we get a bye. Think about normally we don't get the bye until after the Tennessee game. And so Alabama has played eight games um, before we get the bye. And we've seen that really be grueling. Uh, on the team. I'll go back to, was it 2009 when Lane Kiffin led Tennessee, almost beat us. Um, and if it weren't for a couple of kicks and, and that was the eighth or ninth game in the season that Alabama played before they got the bye, the team was just gassed, uh, you know, heavy leg. You could, you could see it. And so this season we have an opportunity to play five games, <clears throat> go into a bye, play three more. We'll play A&M, Tennessee and Arkansas have a second bye. And then we'll finish the season with LSU, uh, Mississippi State, uh, Western Carolina, and um, and Auburn. And so this is a very, very unique setup that we don't see very often. So uh, I think, you know, it's it's sort of survive in advance. Uh, all we got to do is make the four. And I think that's that's sort of a mentality that I think Saban is, is sort of rolling out. And so we've held guys out. We've done different things with guys um, you know, maybe relative to what we've seen with, with Saban before, but uh, I think the team's going to rest, recuperate, get right. We're going to start to see a little bit more. Um, you know, the I think we're going to sort of narrow our bench a little bit, uh, especially knowing that we've got an, another buy a little, uh, coming up, but we're going to knock out these three, uh, you know, conference games. I think AM's is going to be a little bit tough. I think Tennessee less so. Uh, Arkansas, you know, less so than have a bye before we really get into the meat sandwich, um, you know, of the schedule. And I'm thinking primarily LSU, Mississippi State, and Auburn. And then that would go right into the SEC championship. So I think we're going to have an opportunity to be fresher later in the season than uh, than we have before. So <clears throat> that's what I got to say about that. Uh, this weekend uh, in, in Tuscaloosa, you know, and I talked about a little bit about this, um, hit up Sessions Bar. Um, and I'll tell myself a little bit, I had them up, uh, Friday night, uh, as well as Saturday. That's a really cool place. Um, more of a high end, I was a high end, uh, but more, uh, it's not a beer slinging, you know, bar. Uh, it's a, uh, a nice, you know, marble topped bar, uh, you know, custom cocktails. Uh, it's a really sort of, I call it a classy joint, uh, if, if you will, uh, it's worth going in and checking it out. Uh, I had interacted with some of the owners on, on Facebook before, uh, you know, trying to figure out when they were going to open and, and all that stuff. And was able, able to meet them in person uh, again Friday and Saturday night. Uh, seems like a really, really good crew. I think the owner is, uh, is called a seasoned bartender uh, in Tuscaloosa, worked at, a, a you know, sort of the head bartender uh, at a number of places and, and stretching out on his own, uh, which is reason enough to support someone that's, that's taking a stretch like that. Uh, so super hats off to uh, Sessions Bar. Um, and I'll tell you, the old fashioned made with Clyde Mays, you got to try that. That's uh, that's uh, that's phenomenal. Uh, there's a I don't know if it's called the Oyster House or the Oyster Bar. 
eh, I, I don't know that I would go back there, but uh, did dinner there uh, Saturday night. <clears throat> I think that was all right. And then again, I just want to give a super shout out uh, level of appreciation to all those that are participating in the, the listener uh, so support campaign. Um, you know, I appreciate Chris kind of calling us out. Hey, I've signed up for this thing, but I haven't really seen, you know, anything come from it. So, you know, number one, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the support. Uh, our level of appreciation uh, is just off the charts. It really is. Uh, we're humbled and honored. Um, and then, but, you know, we want to get you some stuff too, uh, all of you. And so we have, a, we have, uh, you know, some ideas for some written content. In fact, a little bit I've kind of put together. Uh, and then I have uh, probably two or three or four uh, audio ideas that I, that I want to put out there that will release only to this, uh, to the support campaign uh, participants. And so if you, if you are not yet one of those, uh, head over to Alabama Football Podcast and look for the listener support uh, campaign. There are low cost opportunities to do that. Uh, and so not only our uh, huge appreciation, but we're about to have some content that we're going to start releasing to that that group. We're going to get into these next phases of the season and, uh, you know, look for opportunities to uh, to do stuff with you, uh, you know, Intel schools that have a have a meetup and certainly an opportunity to uh, share some seats and share some tickets uh, with some folks as well. So I think that wraps up what I had um, I had for this show. Probably went a little longer than I thought it would. Uh, with it being just me, I appreciate you kind of suffering through. Uh, I'll kind of share. I was talking about. Uh, I, I was talking about Bill earlier. Uh, we kind of joked because uh, we were having just a just a, a good time, sort of getting to know one another. But uh, I shared a little bit, sort of behind the scenes uh, uh, information. And we'll do this in a meetup sometime about you know Tommy and I getting together and recording uh, the show, and sometimes schedules sort of get in the way. And so unplanned, uh, ironically, we have one of those shows where. Uh, I'm riding solo for many of the same types of reasons that uh, that we kind of kidded about on Saturday. So um, tip of the cap uh, to, you know, sort of referencing back to that conversation. And, and certainly, again, I, I, just a great time that uh, that, that represented. Um, but I think that's a, I think that's what we've got. I think we're going to have some additional uh, content coming out to the listener support campaign. If you've not done that, uh, definitely head out to Alabama Football Podcast and, and sign up there. If you are a frequent and, and loyal uh, listener on iTunes, we uh, would appreciate some uh, additional reviews. Uh, I think the last reviews that we have on iTunes uh, sort of called us out for uh, our review of the uh, Clemson game. And so we'd like to get some new, some new reviews that sort of supplant those uh, in the most recent. So uh, maybe... Maybe head out to iTunes and uh, give us a review. Give us a shout out. We certainly appreciate it. Hit us up on Facebook. Uh, you know, look us up on Facebook or AlabamaFootballPodcast.com. And uh, you can hit us up on email as well, AlabamaFootballPodcast at gmail.com. And with that, the I guess the famous words that roll us out, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tie. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to 
your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Aye. Of course. Roll Tide.